Welcome, everybody, to this week's Science Metaverse podcast. I'm Keita Funakawa. And I'm Stephen Klosky. Cool. Well, welcome back to another week, another uh, hectic week, hectic and, and fast-paced and lots of news uh, in the Science Metaverse uh, week. We have a lot of raises uh, from DSI to math in VR um, to more large language models impacting AI and proteins. Uh, and then some kind of hardware news on uh, some HP headsets and, and whatnot. So we could start diving in. Uh, the first thing is um, that uh, large language models uh, generate functional pro- protein sequences across diverse families uh, is actually a new paper published by no other than the Salesforce research group on uh, a new uh, AI model that they uh, is are sharing on nature. Uh, which is a uh, really kind of uh, unexpected to be, to say the least. You know, it's one thing to have Meta's AI team do things in kind of the protein biology space, but to see the Salesforce research team participate in the biology AI space is uh, really fascinating. Um, so another another one of these algorithms um, to to come out here in a, in a paper, um, albeit. Uh, yeah, the model was uh, trained on 280 million protein sequences. Uh, from over 19,000 families. So, you know, it seems like a, a case of, you know, a lot of companies working on some sort of a, a large language model, um, databases being out there and available for, you know, proteins and, um, you know, sequences, structures, all of this. So I, I think it's only natural that people are starting to put it together, especially, you know, Salesforce sells to a lot of the, you know, pharmaceutical and biotech companies that are out there. Um, so, yeah, it, I think it's an interesting uh, approach. and. You know, coming from Salesforce, yeah, it does kind of make the headlines as a little bit of a, a funny article. But um, yeah, it's cool work. Good job to the uh, Salesforce team for applying some AI for biotech. Steve, do you have any kind of uh, high-level thoughts on these algorithms that are coming up? Uh, and you know, whether that's the AlphaFold team, the Meta team, Salesforce team, like, what's your? Do you have a macro take on on these? Well, yeah, I mean, it's definitely getting um, you know democratized, decentralized. Um, you know, right now it's all the big companies kind of coming out with theirs, and then it's going to be smaller, medium-sized companies. And then it's just going to be everyone has some sort of a model that helps them with uh, you know some sort of a, a deep science like this. So um, yeah, it's uh, I think it's it's not just one monopoly player anymore. Um, you know, you have many people that are all approaching this. And I think a lot of that is the hardware getting, um, you know, cheaper for, you know, having a GPU farm, uh, the models and literature, a lot of it being open source, you know, a lot of the data being available. Um, so yeah, all these things coming together just means that you're going to see, I think, more things like this. Yep. Makes sense. Makes sense. Well, um, you know, uh, kind of tangential is that I've heard a lot of rumors, uh, you know, about Google getting into uh, more actual productizing a lot of their AI research, given that chat GPT has a lot, put a lot of pressure on them. Um, so that's kind of a really exciting development. So hopefully also, you know, I know AlphaFold is, uh, you know, has uh, affiliation with uh, Google per se, but in a similar sense, you know, uh, maybe it was the opposite case with AlphaFold coming out that is push, putting pressure more on the biology AI space with all these other companies pushing more, um, algorithms out there. So uh, exciting to see nonetheless. Um, up next is more of a DSI story. Uh, you know, one of the leaders in DSI, Vita Dow, uh, just raised $4.5 million, um, including Pfizer as one of their investors uh, in decentralized science uh, in a new fresh round there. So really good to see not just a, um, a uh, uh, 
an existing kind of uh, player in the DeSci space, uh, but uh, also a existing uh, big player in the biopharma space, of course, Pfizer being one of them. Um, other investors included Shine Capital as well as Balaji uh, um, who's a you know a prominent kind of leader, thought leader in the um, kind of blockchain crypto world. Uh, good to see him being more uh, kind of participant, uh, being more of a participant in the DeSci world as well. Um, so actually, decentralized uh, science platform Molecule just raised 13 million dollars um, just last year in June. Um, so it's good to see another kind of, uh, you know, continued traction within the space with more raises. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Well, so, uh, Pfizer was already a part of VitaDAO, correct? Right. Like they had been a, uh, token holder and, um, they were like voting on different proposals. Uh, I remember seeing a few news articles about that. So I, I think it makes a lot of sense that, you know, now they're moving forward with what looks like a equity based or potentially convertible note based seed round. Um, so, yeah, uh, congrats to them. Yeah, they claim VitaDAO is essentially an accelerator, which aims to bridge the value of death between academic, seed stage, biotech, and commercialization. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see where it goes. Um, I know that, uh, yeah, the environment for, you know, funding different scientific projects is still, you know, in kind of uh, yeah, interesting areas in terms of clarity on this. But I think, you know, anyone moving into DSI Anybody helping out with the sciences, I, I think it's doing the right thing. So good job for the VitaDAO team. It's great that they got some support from uh, you know, one of the big pharmaceutical incumbents. And obviously, we want to see DSide grow in the, the science metaverse here. So keep it up. Yeah. Um, speaking of raises, another big raise uh, is actually Prism's VR raised $12.5 million to improve math literacy with virtual reality. So definitely in the realm of science metaverse. Um, and so Prism's VR, for those of you who aren't familiar, uh, is a app that you could use to learn a bunch of different types of math concepts uh, from K through 12. Uh, and I believe the lead investor on this $12.5 million round was, um, uh, again, Andreessen Horowitz. So, you know, I know Balaji participated in the Vardadao round, who's a uh, used to be affiliated with uh, Andreessen Horowitz. So a lot of kind of uh, similar pedigree of, of folks uh, that are investing in this, which is really good to see. Um, but uh, yeah, just, you know, definitely VR is a great a medium to be able to communicate and learn different math concepts. Um, we had, you know, uh, at Nanum, we had a prototype back in the day called CalcFlow, uh, which is definitely- Cal CalcFlow is still available on the Oculus desktop and uh, Steam VR desktop, so. Yeah, it's not on standalone headsets, but it is still available for learning higher-level mathematics uh, once you get past the stuff on Prism, I guess. Yeah, it's actually really cool. Um, I, I actually looked into a lot of uh, kind of the videos, like the the trailer that they have here on the article. Um, it's it's really cool to see kind of the um, uh, the basic math uh, kind of uh, concepts that they show, like um, you know uh, speed, and uh, they have some kind of graph calculation uh, stuff as well, but um, yeah, really awesome to see more of this kind of uh, uh, mathematics and, and VR um, uh, being combined uh, for and, and specifically ad tech focus as well. Yeah, um, yeah, we've been big believers that you know educational virtual reality is, is definitely going to be a, a way to learn three dimensional concepts. Um, yeah, we make Nano available for you know, academic learning as well as academic research in addition to all the um, you know, real biotech and, and pharmaceutical research that we also help with. 
But um, yeah, yeah, it's great. The math space has been, I think, underlooked. You know, CalFlow was kind of the only big app of its kind for a while. So it's great that now you know, there's other companies getting into it. Uh, we'll see how this ends up, you know, leading adoption because you know, obviously we work with a lot of um, universities and educators that use Nanome uh, as well as CalFlow. But um, you know, it's not like every university, every college, every high school just has like a big VR lab or you know, has headsets just available for the students. Um, so I'm curious to see how that kind of plays out and what Prism's business model is in terms of approaching that issue. I've seen a lot of different like ed tech aggregators kind of try to pull together, hey, these 10 apps are, are good for teaching um, and then sell it to different schools. But, you know, we'll see how they, um, you know, get into the math classes specifically here. Um, or if it's just, you know, mostly for individual use at home. Well, I mean, it sounds like thing. their outlook on VR devices is, you know, in terms of long term is is definitely similar to our outlook on, you know, they, the, the quote towards the end of the article here says, we know that the iPhone, uh, iPhone of headsets hasn't dropped yet. And we know that everyone's waiting for like Apple's uh, announcement and all these new folks will be entering the market this year and then the Quest 3 and more. Um, so definitely, I think, um, you know, I'm sure part of this is more future proofing for future devices uh, and things like that um, that are coming down um, the... Uh, the XR ecosystem. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, like you got a quote here, math education is going to be the killer app for VR. And, you know, we've been saying this since uh, what, 2014, 2015, 16. Um, you know, it's obvious that uh, there's a lot of three-dimensional concepts that are, are great for learning in three dimensions, but, you know, also bringing more interactive, like 2D examples to be, you know, something you hold in your hands. Uh, it's obviously going to be great. You know, we started with the the highest, uh, you know, 3D graphing calculator type of, of level of mathematics uh, where you're doing vector calculus with equations that, you know, map three-dimensional shapes. Um, but yeah, you know, there's a lot to be done with mathematics and uh, it's cool to see that there's, you know, other people helping push it forward. Yep. Um, and then lastly is uh, a bit of few sad XR news, although one has a promising... I would say a glimmer of hope, uh, which is that um, first off, HP is rumored uh, to be shutting down VR-related production, including their their popular HP Reverb G2 uh, headset um, by the end of the year. And so uh, that's one of the most popular, I think the only uh, kind of practical Windows Mixed Reality headset. Um, you know, this doesn't come as a surprise as we just saw like Microsoft kind of uh, you know, shut down a lot of their XR efforts. They actually, Microsoft, interestingly, posted a clarification blog post this week saying that we're not done with XR and that they still are continuing to invest in XR. Um, and so it is indeed uh, not the end of Mi Windows Mixed Reality, it seems, or at least uh, Windows or slash Microsoft uh, isn't necessarily done with Mixed Reality. But in the case of, in the case of HP, it is looking like uh, their headset uh, will be ending production by the end of the year. Um, so yeah, any any comments on the Reverb G2 there, Steve? Yeah, you know, I, I like it. It's um, it's a pretty good headset for you know, being a PC wired headset, um, which you know comes with its own limitations. But it was kind of like the you know the best one out there. I mean, the Valve Index was great, but you needed the live the lighthouse lighthouse boxes as well. And those things were kind of hard to, you know, have set up in a lot of spaces versus, you know, this one's more portable. Um, so I liked it for a variety of reasons. It definitely improved from the, um, you know, the first Windows Mixed Reality generation and then the HP Reverb um, and now the G2. So I, I think it's been, you know, getting a lot better. But, you know, it's 
kind of like the era of standalones in a way. Like it seems like Apple's going standalone. I'm curious to see if they're going to have standalone plus like, you know, a, a MacBook or MacBook Pro or, or Mac Pro tower type of, um, you know, compatibility with that. Um, I would assume that the Apple headset would communicate with other devices, but yeah, everyone's moving towards a uh, all-in-one type of standalone VR headset. Um, yeah, it's kind of weird that they're that they're doing this now. I feel like they were coming out on top in terms of the race, but um, yeah, it's uh, gonna not be great for those people that were using HP Reverb G2s in uh, 2026 when they discontinue device support. Yep. Uh, and so speaking of shutting things down uh, or discontinuing, uh, you know, this isn't necessarily super science metaverse related per se, but it is a metaverse uh, and definitely related to AI and VR. Uh, but a popular uh, video game called Echo VR, um, which is used to just be the multiplayer aspect of uh, Lone Echo, um, which used to be also a Frisbee game. But now they introduced Echo, uh, I believe, Battle or something like that, where you can shoot people. And by the way, they... Uh, that was only PC VR. They never actually ported the like shooting portion of Echo VR to the uh, Quest. Um, but that is actually being shut down by Meta and um, Ready at Dawn, the uh, studio behind Echo VR. Um, a lot of kind of drama here that's going on. Uh, Steve, any any kind of particular thoughts on the uh, Echo VR shutdown? Uh, yeah, I personally haven't played it in a while. Um... You know, it, it was fun. I feel like it was one of the first, like, big multiplayer, like, fun, exercising, active, you know, VR games out there. Yeah, I played it a bit back in the day, but then I, th I think other titles really just took the playtime away. Um, a lot of people are into Battle Royales or, you know, if they're into a shooter, I don't think a lot of people would go to Echo necessarily. You know, it was Pop One, uh, Pavlov. You know, there's a bunch of other VR titles now. So I, I think that the competition... Um, for this multi-user, you know, VR collaborative app, uh, especially the the team-based ones, um, you know, Knock It League is another interesting one. Like it just got kind of separated. So I'm not sure how many people use it, but um, I assume it's not as many as as you know when it first launched. Yeah, you know, um, uh, Thrill Seeker, the YouTuber, had a few. Mm -hmm. Uh, pretty good explainers. Um, I don't personally agree with his take per se, but a lot of good background definitely uh, on this uh, in terms of uh, the people behind Ready at Dawn leaving Meta. Um, so you know, technically Ready at Dawn isn't really Ready at Dawn anymore. Um, the fact that they never ported the shooting portion of Echo VR to Quest, I think, was a big mistake um, and missed opportunity, uh, which I agree. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, Meta is a for-profit company and they could do whatever they want. And, you know, uh, con and contrary to the VR community's reaction, Meta stock is very up right uh, this week. So, um, you know, it is, it is interesting to see kind of the, uh, the um, you know, maybe you could potentially like have a indicator of Meta stock depending on how mad or disappointed the VR community is. Uh, because <laughs> you might be able to just, you know, kind of, uh, you, Steve, you know the meme where you... Uh, like do the opposite of what Bill Kramer says, kind of thing. Um, Jim Kramer, yeah. Jim Kramer, yeah, yeah. Jim Kramer. It's it's kind of like that, where it's like whatever, like whenever the VR AR community gets mad, maybe you could bet on. Uh, this is not financial advice, but maybe maybe you could see and use that as an indicator, as an inverse indicator. Uh, but you know. Yeah. Uh, 
Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, that'd be a very interesting, uh, you know, inverse VR hype indicator. It's like the more VR hype there is, the uh, less your stock does, then it's like, you know, when you anger the community or something like that. Yeah, we'll see. Um, yeah, I, I think it's cool that there's a lot of more competition coming out there. Um, you know, according to the rumors, there's going to be, you know, the Apple headset. But um, yeah, I, I'll never know if it's going to compete with, you know, apps like Echo or if there's going to be some sort of an well, equipment, like multi-user, like uh, engaging, like teamwork type application, you know? Yeah, so that's actually what I was saying at the very beginning of the podcast was that there is a glimmer of hope uh, in a sense that in the uh, blog post that they published, they said that they are working on a new project and they want to you know, fully focus on that, right? So that is actually really interesting that, um, that there is information that they are working on a whole new uh, game uh, or, or title, right? And so like, you know, could it be Echo VR 2? Maybe, um, or, you know, who knows, who knows uh, what they're working on, but um, it is potentially possible uh, that there is something better out there that could create a bigger community. Um, but, you know, definitely RIP uh, Echo VR, um, you know, one of our developers, Mike Rosengrant, he said that he plays three to four times a week. So definitely um, share, share the sadness um, and uh, is looking out for the community. Uh, but at the end of the day, Meta's going to do what Meta does. Actually, Mark wants to do. Mark, Mark's like, so uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, so Mark, we'll, we'll get the fencing game or you know some other sort of game out of this. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I guess we got something to look forward to. Mark's fencing game. Maybe that's what's going to happen. I'd play it. But uh, that's about it for this week's Science Metaverse podcast. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. And we'll see you in the next episode. Cool. Thanks, everyone. And we'll see you in the Science Metaverse.